problems that church faced there. Um, and there's incredible life lessons of faith. There's powerful truths. Uh, but more than anything else, uh, the power and authority by which believers in Jesus Christ not only can live, but ought to live uh, as, we, as we go through this life, and especially in perilous times. Uh, and the church at Colossae was in a lot of peril, and uh, the church today is in a lot of deadly peril. The church began, if we looked in the book of Acts chapter 19, the church began uh, through Paul's ministry in Ephesus. Um, Paul wasn't the founder of the church, but he had a three-year stint in Ephesus. And Epaphras, who would end up becoming a dear, dear friend, uh, was living in Colossae and uh, ventured over to Ephesus. Ephesus was a major root. Um, and he got saved there early on in Paul's ministry, his three-year ministry at Ephesus, and got discipled and went back and started the church at, Coloss at Colossae. Years later, the church became under attack with a lot of different heresies, a lot of different uh, falsehoods uh, that were threatening. Uh, Paul was aware, greatly disturbed, so he called for Epaphras to come to Rome where he was and, you know, get some, get some wisdom and insight. And so Paul begins chapters 1 and 2 with this great defense of the gospel, the truth, the power, the authority, not only of the written word of God, but of Jesus Christ. But his predominant message is actually found in chapter 2, verse 4. It's in your bulletin. Um, I tell you this, that no one may deceive you by fine-sounding arguments. Then and now, there's a lot of fine-sounding arguments that are coming out of the church. And they're actually lies, and they're actually falsehoods. And more and more, the churches are caving to these lies, to these falsehoods, and to these vain imaginations, rather than the Word of God. Amen. And so Paul's word is really church at Colossae. My word to you this morning is church at Cottonwood. Hold the line. Hold the line on the truth and the power and the authority of Jesus Christ. Uh, Caleb, go ahead and put up, you know, to venture to from Colossae to Rome, you know, today we jump on a plane and be there in probably two hours of flight time. But this is this is Epaphras, uh, you want to boost it up? Is it frozen? There! Tech guys. So this is, this is Epaphras' route. 1,180 miles, two boat trips uh, to go and consult with his dear brother, his dear friend, his mentor, uh, Paul, 1,100 miles. So what were the heresies uh, attacking the church at Colossae? Well, there's predominantly four. The first was uh, Gnosticism. That was rooted in the Greek philosophy of enlightenment and attainment, that there was a secret higher knowledge 
then God's word that one had to search out and find uh, to, to become saved or to become uh, one with God. And it actually denied the deity of Jesus Christ. He was just one of a series of divine revelations, you know, a prophet, a good man, a noble man, whatever you want to call, and denying his deity. Uh, secondly, there was uh, this group of Jews that, that had become Christians uh, that were trying to infiltrate the church and bring in the practice of Old Testament laws like circumcision that were necessary for salvation, including dietary laws and, and what day the Sabbath should be on. And, and Paul soundly refutes those in chapter 2. The third was asceticism, which is is a doctrine of severe self-denial. Like, I have to live in poverty if I'm really going to be a follower of Jesus Christ. Uh, literally in poverty. We're, we all know we're spiritually poor. Uh, it's a, a doctrine of se severe self-denial that eventually would release the spirit from the body and have a deeper communion with God. And then lastly is ananism. Anybody know what ananism is? It's everything's got a spirit. The tree's got a spirit. The rock's got a spirit. The river's got a spirit. It's worshiping creation or worshiping uh, the earth. Kind of like a modern earth day. Uh, we, just, we just had that here back in April 14th to 22nd. And uh, I was going to show a couple videos on, you know, people out I mean, literally, people out hugging trees uh, in the 21st century, hugging trees, worshiping these rocks, holding these rocks up. And, I mean, it's just crazy. And so the reality is, the church at Colossae is perfectly reflecting Cottonwood Community Church or Submerged Church and the culture we're living in, this plethora of multicultural ideas and ideals that are fine-sounding, if you will, but they're ultimately their false doctrine. And so Paul is writing to the new Christian and the veteran Christian, keep your head, keep your wits about you. All dogs may go to heaven, but all roads don't lead to God. Amen? And that lie is alive and well. I just I got some recent stats from Pro Ministries, Christian Ministry, uh, and they did some polling. Uh, this was completed four or five months ago. 70% of those who identify as Christians, 70% of those who identify as Christians do not believe that Jesus Christ is the only way. See, if you don't know the Word of God, you're never going to know the will of God. And he's got a perfect will. Romans 12, 2 tells us that. And it's a journey for all of us. But the reality is if you're not committed to the Word of God, the absolute inspired and errant Holy Word of God, you're never going to fully know the will of God for your life. And so we're going we're to go down this road less traveled. There are no shortcuts. There are no exceptions. There's no other way. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 7, uh, but small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life and only a few find it. Watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, 
but inwardly they are ferocious or vicious wolves, depending on your translation. You imagine Paul is under a house arrest and how he must have longed for this church and these believers and all that they were battling in the day. Uh, but rather than refute, oh, I'm going to take Gnosticism, right? I'm take this and refute the lie of the falsehood of the false teaching, he just powerfully puts Jesus Christ and the Word of God on display. You see, that's always our weapon, right? That's always our weapon. The Word of God, the spirit of the sword, cut through lies. And if you want to live grounded, if you want to live confident, if you want to live assured, if you want to live with conviction, you want to live with boldness, whatever it is, then know the book of Colossians. It's one of the most powerful books uh, that I, I mean, and I, I like a lot of good, but I really like the book of Colossians. Uh, I've been pastoring, as Tom alluded to, for 30 years. Uh, I didn't want to talk about a lot of my history here because then it just brings back memories and, and then I'm, I'm lost. Um, but one of my favorite things in the 25 years here, and I can't tell you the year, I know I, I lived in dorms with a bunch of college students in the summer of 08 and the summer of 09 in Bemidji. So somewhere there, Pat and I kind of switched it up. I said, hey, I'd like to start working with the young people again. Hey, I kind of want to start working here, you know, and so we made this trade, um, and it always blesses me uh, to be involved with young people, young people that are really serious about pursuing their faith, and uh, it's great to see these little kids. When I left working sound, I said, Tom, what's happened here? You got a youth generation going on and taking over the church. So why'd you bring in an old relic like me, <laughs> you know? Uh, anyway, I am excited to be here. But I can tell you in those 10 years or so of college ministry, you know, you're, you're really challenging uh, college kids. Some are getting saved through our ministries. Some grew up in Christian homes. Some somewhere along the line. But inevitably, every year, I would always get this, at, this question asked, one or two, Pastor, what is God's will for my life? Or how can I know God's will for my life? And so I'm going to share this morning. But before I give you the answers, uh, be warned or be ready. Because uh, you never know when you commit to the will of God completely where it's going to take you and what it's going to, where it's going to bring you. Like 49 years living in this frozen tundra. And when I drove into the valley, I have to tell you, my brother recruited me to uh, play football over in Crookston. It was March. I came out March 9th. Um, and, you know, I'd gone through Bemidji. Oh, it's pretty good. You know, I didn't know. But the, the wind was, you know, all the trees and blocking. I thought, oh, man, this is a nice part of the country. I go about 50, 60 miles to the east and come into the valley. And uh, I, I stopped the... Um, and I said to myself, one semester, and I'm out of here. There's no way uh, I'm staying. 30 years as a pastor, you know, I used to pray, God, anything but a pastor. Anything but a pastor. You know, and so anyway, uh, we're going we're gonna to heed the will of God, uh, and we're going to commit 
to the road less traveled, no matter where it takes us and no matter what God would call us to. So we begin, I'm going to emphasize verses 9 through 14. Uh, For this reason, Paul writes, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you and asking God to fill you with the knowledge of his will. So there's four points this morning. The knowledge of God's will. All spiritual wisdom begins with to know Christ and be found in him. The pinnacle of God's will for your life. Every human being you cross paths with, the pinnacle of God's will for every human being is to know Jesus Christ and be found in Him. We're not Calvinists. We're not predestinated. God didn't create people so He could annihilate them at the end. God so loved the world. Every person you know, God's perfect will for them is to come to the knowledge of Jesus Christ. Amen? Paul writing to young Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 3 and 4, urging that prayers, intercession, requests be made for all men. This pleases God, Paul writes, who wants all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of God. But it's more than that. It's also to grow in grace, Peter writes, at the close of his epistle in 2 Peter. But grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. That we grow in being grounded and founded in Christ and in the Word of God. What is the meaning for life? You ever had anybody, I can't find any meaning for life. I can't find the meaning for life. It's Jesus. It's Jesus. It's not to see how successful you and I can become. It's not to see how popular, how many followers we have, or how rich I can become. It's Jesus. It's Jesus. If you name the name of Jesus Christ, the meaning of your life and the, and the purpose of your life is Jesus. To know him, to grow in him, to be grounded in him, to be founded in him. And whatever your notion of achievement, of success, of arrival, uh, if Jesus isn't first on that list, you're wrong. You're wrong. Number two, verse 10, that you may live a life worthy. Are we really not going to have clocks here? I mean, I, I feel so bad. Uh, some, what, who's got a watch? What? 11.50, my goodness. That you may live a life worthy of the Lord. You may please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God. To be filled with the knowledge of God is simply to live a fruit-bearing life in Jesus Christ. Did you know what that's you're supposed to be? We're supposed to be a fruit-bearing tree. Jesus said in John 15, 16, You did not choose me, but rather I chose you, and I appointed you to go and bear fruit. Good fruit that will last, so that you may ask the Father for anything in my name, and he will do it. We're supposed to be fruit-bearing people. And there's only two kinds of fruit. Christ church and the Christian should be producing. There's only two kinds. The fruit of sanctification, the fruit of salvation. Sanctification, you know, that's that fancy word for living set apart, holy to the, to the Lord. 
Jesus said in John 17, 17, sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. To live set apart. To realize that it's an internal work first in our lives. Paul writes of the fruits of the Spirit in Galatians. I'm not going to quote them because we don't have time. But it's the ministry of God within. It's the ministry of God within. The transformation that needs to take place, that has to take place, that God wants to take place in our lives. If you're sitting here, I don't care if you're 20 in Christ or you're 80 in Christ, if you think you've arrived, you're deceived. You're deceived. Just ask my wife anytime if I ever think I've arrived as a Christian, as a husband, and oh yeah, failed her twice this week. I want to be, but I fail. We all fail. You know, I love this verse in Psalm 92, verse 14. They will even bear fruit in their old age. Well, I'm arrived. Gene, I know it's a little more gray in your hair. <laughs> we're old. We're old. But we're still to be bearing fruit. And that second fruit is salvation. Jesus gave us the command to go into the world and make disciples. Amen? That is the ministry or the kingdom of God in us and then the kingdom of God through us. To make others disciples of Jesus Christ. To make others image bearers of Christ. And uh, I was going to use as example, I had uh, three uh, hockey players, I, I'm the chaplain for the Sioux hockey team, this will be my 13th year, just in the last two years, three hockey players come to Christ, uh, my, my sweet little youngest granddaughter uh, just reaffirmed her life, and, uh, but I knew it was from God, because the week I was preparing this message, Lila gets, it started with texting, right honey, texting with Sherry, uh, and then she called, Anyway, we first moved down to Florida. Uh, we met this couple, Jerry and Sherry Warren. I think they're about 10 to 12 years younger than us. Uh, and they were renters there and, and the nicest people in the world. Sherry is, is sweet, is an angel. But Jerry just liked to party. That's all he did. That's a lot, a lot of people. You talk about a purposeless life is to go down somewhere in retirement and just drink and party your life away? It kind of sounds like eat, drink, and be merry. I'm telling you, folks, I don't care where you go, where you tread, the gospel is still relevant, the gospel is still needed. Anyway, you know, oh, so, you know, Jerry's F-bombing, we first meet him, and, you know, we're just talking, well, so what do you do? I said, well, I pastor a church. He's like, ooh, my goodness. And, but, you know, I just said, hey, Jerry, I grew up in a family of 10, and, and some of my siblings could make a drunken sailor blush. Uh, don't worry about it, and just proceeded to build a friendship and opportunities to share with him, and just, you know, once in a while, he'd want to pick my brain about, hey, you know, I, I really want to be a better husband, and, and you know, just kind of like water off a duck, and so I think they started out texting, and then she called you, and Sherry is, hey, I gotta, I gotta put somebody on the phone, and it's Jerry. And he's, he said, I'm like a little schoolgirl. Uh, you know, come to Christ uh, after 10 years. You know, 
And just, just amazing uh, how, you know, Paul writes, I planted the seed, Paul is far, but God made it grow, and how we need to be faithful. We need to be faithful uh, with the gospel of Jesus Christ in its many different uh, forms. But it's got to burn, people. The gospel's got to burn. This is really the will of the gospel's got to burn here in your life if you're really going to follow the Lord. Verses 11 and 12, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might so that you may have great endurance and patience and joyfully give thanks to the Father who qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints of the kingdom of light. To be filled with the knowledge of the will of God is simply to live an empowered life. An empowered life of first, Paul says, endurance. That is finishing strong, finishing well. Like he said at the end of the second epistle, I fought the good fight, I finished the race, I have kept the faith. And now there's a crown. Whereas in, in chapter 1, verse 19, he mentions two Christians that uh, left the way and now they're shipwrecked. Are you going to be one who crosses the finish line and Jesus, well done, good and faithful servant, or are you going to be shipwrecked? You don't lose your salvation, but you're going to be shipwrecked, washed up on the rocks because you either gave in to some worldliness or you lost a vision for your life. So endurance and patience, and that's just waiting on God. Waiting on God for like 10 years. You know, i got to be honest, when I go down to Florida... I just want to, I don't want to do ministry. I got to be honest. I just want to go down there. I want to sit on the beach. I want to ride my bike. I enjoy it because I get extended time just in my walk with God. And, and, and the last thing, I've got to be honest, somebody comes up, hey, you know, Pastor Bob, I have a question. And I'm thinking, oh, just go away. Uh, that's what I'm thinking. I got to be honest. But patience. Patience to plant the seed, to water the seed, whatever God is calling to you, and let God bring forth the fruit. Let God bring through the results. Even in our own life, remember, that fruit is twofold. The ministry of sanctification, the ministry of salvation. And then joy. You know, one thing I've always thought about believers is one of the defining marks, and I know it's love, Jesus said, but is joy. We're excited, we're happy about life. Amen? You know, Christians, we've got the best story to tell. We've got the best ending in the world. We leave this forsaken hellhole of a world and we get to spend eternity and glory with our Lord and we don't get old, our hair doesn't gray, our knuckles don't get stiff. And uh, Man, it's, it's like the greatest story, the greatest love story. And so, you know, I, I always challenge, like, what's your level of joy, Christian? Scale of 1 to 10. If you don't, scale of 1 to 10, what's your level of joy? Is it a 10? Anybody here? Yep, I got a 10. Or nobody got nobody? Got a 5? I'm going through something difficult? Well, just make 10 your goal. Say, Lord, fill me with the joy of the Lord. It's, it's your strength. And lastly, and here's the real key to possess it. You know how you want, if you really want to possess joy, you got to start living thankful. Thankful. Right? Thankful. And I've, I've got, I, this is the day the Lord has made, Psalm 118, 24. 
I got 50 things, the first words out of my lips when my eyes wake. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for the gift of life in Jesus Christ that I am saved from sin and death and hell. Thank you that my guilt, shame, and condemnation were taken away, taken away and nailed to the cross with Jesus. Thank you for the blood of Christ that purifies, sanctifies, and justifies me. Thank you for the seal of the Holy Spirit to convict me of sin, of wrongdoing, and guide me and lead me in all truth. And lastly, thank you that I have the gift and the promise of eternal life. And when I die, I'll dwell in the house of the Lord. See, if you're not living thankful, you're never going to possess the joy of the Lord. Lastly, Deb, what time is it? <laughs> hey, I thought there was no line in church. <laughs> 11 what? Okay. I hear the water in the dunk tank being filled. <laughs> Verses 13 and 14, for he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness, and we'll just be it. To be filled with the knowledge of the will of God is to live to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. Paul says to the church at Corinth at the close, 1 Corinthians, he had to severely rebuke them because they were allowing a lot of sin in the church and everything's all cool. And he rebukes them, they respond, and now he writes this beloved second letter to the church. And here's what he says to the Corinth. Now you got to mind, I mean, he, he spanked them. Verse 15, chapter 12, I will very gladly spend for you everything I have and spend myself as well for the sake of the gospel. Spend and be spent. God wants you and I living to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. You see, once we become rescued from the dominion of darkness, and I realize some people's dominion of darkness wasn't as dark as mine, but if you don't think it is, then I think you're to reevaluate, because all have sinned. And our righteousness in, in the eyes of God is as filthy rags. Whatever good or whatever nobility we think we have, we are dirt. We are cow dung, Paul says. You see, once we become rescued from the dominion of darkness, we're supposed to start seeing what God sees. He sees dead people. He sees dead people everywhere. You know, kind of like the movie The Sixth Sense. I see dead people. They're everywhere. See, they're alive, but they're dead. They have eyes, but they don't see. They have ears, but they can't understand. And at the end of life, if they're apart from Jesus Christ, they die and they go to hell. They're separated from God for all eternity. That's what we're supposed to see. And God's will is that you and I commit to and be committed to. The gospel of Jesus Christ. Paul writes to Philemon in 1.6. Listen to these words carefully. I pray that you may be active in sharing your faith. There it is, you know. I pray that you may be active in sharing your faith. Why? Anybody know the verse? So you will come to a full understanding of every good thing we have in Christ Jesus. You see, we don't fully appreciate it. That's what God's word is saying until we start giving it away. Wow, this is really important. You meet somebody. I go to this coffee shop 
in Fargo every morning. I, I study and, um, and uh, there's baristas, young and old, and these two really sweet high school girls, they just graduated, um, invited us uh, to their open houses. And I know we had a lot of really nice invitations from people up here, but uh, I'm really trying to minister to them. I've invited them to church. They both said they were going to come one Sunday, and they, they were no-shows. But you have to commit. You have to understand how important it is for you to give your faith away, to give faith away. I pray that you may be active in sharing your faith so that you'll come to a full understanding. You see, without that, it's incomplete. I don't say that. God's Word says that. And so we have to commit to it. You know, when... when uh, anybody know... Now we're going back. Anybody know Dave Bovenmeyer? He was a national elder, and he was, this is where I got struck with this, probably 20 years ago. And he's talking about sharing your faith and how pastors, you know, they really should be encouraging. I mean, I know you got your ivory towers, you got so much to do, but get out there and share your faith. And I remember coming home, I told Tom, I gotta, I gotta spend every day, every morning in the coffee shop. So I'm intentional, you know, to, to meet people. Because when you're a pastor, your life gets filled up with, with the work of the saints. And um, so he was gracious to let me do that. I was there this morning. Um, but Dave Bowman, I said, if you've got a problem in your life, go share your faith. If you've got a problem in your marriage, you and your wife go share your faith. And I don't remember what all else he said, but he said, the solution <laughs> to every Christian's problems is just go share your faith, uh, whether it's true or not. So I'm going to close. Nothing can stop us from living the perfect will of God if we make Jesus Christ our one great desire and our one great delight to be found in him. The road less traveled, because I'm a, a poet at heart, the will of God and the road less traveled, let it be the only life for me Worship team, you come on up, and I'll close this in prayer. Uh, for all of you with young'uns, thank you for the grace to go over. Let's pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, for the, the truth and the power and the authority of your word uh, and of Jesus Christ, Father. Um, and we just thank you, Lord, that, that we can look at a text like this this morning out of Colossians 1, and uh, we can, we have the power, we have the authority, we have the commission, Lord, to walk the less traveled road, to be true disciples and share Jesus Christ with the world. Father, let us hear, all of us here, myself first and foremost, recommit our lives, to rededicate our lives to the gospel of Jesus Christ and may it infuse every area of our lives. In Jesus' name, amen.